Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the only place on the radio where you hear common sense and where the common people, so-called, can be heard. This morning, we are edging ever closer to the big Easter weekend and the ensuing travel chaos. Don't forget, Euston Station is going to be shut for the entire Easter weekend from Friday to Monday. Uh, Don't worry, the world might end before you get back to work anyway because of the climate emergency we're apparently stuck in the middle of. We're keeping an eye on the eco-warriors still occupying parts of London this morning and vowing to disrupt the underground network. What a collection of tubes. Uh, those running the underground, though, have had a very clever idea. They've decided to cancel out the uh, Wi-Fi so these idiots won't be able to communicate with each other once they are down below ground. They should be charged with obstruction and willful damage to property so they can all get criminal convictions. It's already pretty clear that most of them are professional agitators, so I'm sure they won't be affected when they apply for jobs, since they probably never will. This morning, we're talking about crimes and punishments and jobs because Home Secretary Sajid Javid appears to have lost his marbles. He's decided in his wisdom that he wants to wipe clean any, in his words, minor convictions so that if young offenders are looking for jobs, employers should not be told. So if I'm looking to hire someone, I won't know whether they might be a thief, whether they might be a druggie, or indeed someone prone to violent outbursts. Sounds mad to me. Are we sure this government is actually run by the Conservatives? 0344 499 1000. I think it was Tony Blair uh, who said tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime. Well, that didn't turn out too well, did it? Coming up later on, we're talking about the pensions time bomb for women, the Holland bomb that's on its way apparently this week and why Britain now has more churches than pubs 0344 499 1000 it's almost as if we're closer to God uh, than we used to be you're listening to me Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio So Sajid Javid, in his wisdom, has decided that uh, people who have committed minor offences, in his words, not mine, uh, in the course of their teenage years or when they were quite young, should not be punished for the rest of their lives. And that's fair enough. I don't mind that as a particular principle. However, what I don't like is the next part of his new uh, regime that he wishes to kick in, the kinder, gentler conservatism that we hear so much about all the time. He reckons that if you're an employer and if one of these people comes to you and they've been convicted of shoplifting, you should never be able to find out. You should not be told. You should be ignorant of the fact that they are thieves, OK? Because this will possibly harm their chances of getting employed if you're told. He also says that if they've been involved in what's regarded as minor assault, you should not be told about that either. So therefore, if somebody's prone to lashing out you could employ them without realising that that's what they're prone to do. If they're drug addicts, if they're people who have been in possession of drugs, convicted of being in possession of drugs, you should not be told about that either, despite the fact that you may be employing them to be in a position of some responsibility, operating machinery, driving a car, driving a motorcycle of any kind. The idea that you cannot tell the employer 
or that the employer is prohibited from knowing something, surely is very, very anti-democratic and very, very dangerous indeed. I want to hear from all of you out there because I know many of you are employers. Many of you do hire people on a part-time or a full-time basis. And I think you would be absolutely horrified if you found out you'd hired somebody who was dealing with customers who was, in fact, some kind of um, per- pernicious individual. 0344 499 1000. Let's talk to Jerry Hayes, former MP, uh, now criminal barrister, of course, because I'm sure he will have a view uh, which we can take an interest in. Jerry, a very good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, Mike. Now, now I heard your introduction. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to say. This world has gone mad. What is Jarvis think he's doing? This is not a conservative he's government not. there. It's the nanny state. Actually, I looked into this when your producer rang up because my view was exactly the same as yours. Mm. So I looked into it. In fact, it's a Supreme Court ruling. The Supreme Court has ruled this. So the government has got to act on it. They've got to change the law. Well, why has the Supreme Court ruled on it, though? Well, because something I didn't realise. Now, you've got the um, Rehabilitation of Offenders Act, and that sets out when when a conviction is spent. Right. Obviously, something serious like robbery is never spent. Uh, major thefts is never spent. Major assaults, drugs, it, it, it's never spent. But you have a situation now where if me, at the age of 15, became a wild child, got mixed up with the wrong crowd, and I went shoplifting, and I got two convictions for shoplifting when I was 15, that is automatically disguised. To employ. So yeah. say I go for As a job at the age of... No, no, not when you're 15. Why not? Sorry, I'm sorry. You know, not every 15-year-old, Jerry, goes around stealing things from shops, Okay, If they did, that would be normal. But it's not normal. Only people who are criminals do it. No, but everyone should be given a second chance. If it's a serious offence, of course your employer should should, should know about it. But if someone has been out of trouble and, say, they're 25, something happened 10 years ago, for heaven's sake. Listen, I'm, I'm quite happy to give them a second chance and possibly even a third chance, but I still want to know what it is that they've done. Why would you, for example, want to brush, brush aside somebody's personal history? Like, for example, say say you'd, uh, I don't know, say you'd run somebody over and it was an accident, OK? Um, oh, well, well, I'd, want to, I'd want to know that that had happened if I'm employing you because it might have an effect on your psych- psychology, it might have an effect on how I treat you, how you talk to me, all sorts of things. Well, no, if, if, you're, if, if I've done someone over and it was an accident, I wouldn't have committed a criminal offence, so they're not entitled to know that anyway. Well, you might have been found guilty of a criminal offence in the process of having been done for dangerous driving or something. All I'm saying is, oh, is that... different matter. All I'm saying matter. is is that if I'm employing you, I want to know all I can about you. I don't want to only know bits about you that you want to tell me. Well, what the Home Secretary is doing is, is taking into account it's got to the Supreme Court judgment, and they're looking at it. Uh, and I hope they look at it sensibly, because I think you just gave a very good example. Say someone wants to go to, I don't know, a taxi firm, um, you know, a, a posh one like Addison Lee or something yeah. like that, uh, and you've got a conviction. When you're fairly young for dangerous driving, I'm sorry, you should know that. Yes. Because it, it, it makes sense. If you're on a sex offenders register, uh, the employers should know that. I mean, you have an enhanced search anywhere if you're going to be working with children. Well, anyway, right, I mean, the really CRB obvious. check, right? The CRB check yeah. presumably picks up everything. Yeah, it does. So, it does. so yeah. how does that if work? You're going to be a teacher. Yeah. Well, so yeah, how would so be... how would well, so how would that work in this situation with the Supreme Court ruling? Uh, it, it, it wouldn't affect it at all. It wouldn't affect it at all. If you if you're going to be uh, a teacher. Uh, or applying for a teacher's job at yeah. uh, CRB will, 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 will look at you, but I think they will just ignore um, a nicking of a sandwich or something like that. It's got to be relative. I think. I think. It's, I, I don't think it's as bad 
as it's made out. Well, all I would say is this. I'm perfectly willing to forgive and forget. I'm perfectly willing to give second yeah. chances, but I think the principle of hiding things from people is wrong. And I don't think you should be giving licence to individuals to think that they can go and do something when they're 15. Oh, but don't worry, because it will be wiped from your slate and, and you'll have a clean slate and you won't have to worry about future employment. Yeah, but what choice does the Home Secretary have? The Supreme Court, the highest court, in, in the land has ruled that is what the law is. Well, this is why and we get experts like you on that. the show, Jerry, so you can explain <laughs> to me what he can do about it. <laughs> I know. Well, the answer is absolutely nothing unless you legislate. Right. So how does something uh, like this come about? I mean, what's the legislative process for the Supreme Court to have made this ruling? Was it as well, a result of a case or something? Yeah, there were about four cases, which, unless your producer hadn't run me on, I would have been completely unaware. Oh. Uh, there, was a, there was a woman... Uh, who, as a child, had been uh, convicted for stealing two sandwiches. Right. Uh, she applied for several jobs and didn't get them because when she was a child, she had stolen two sandwiches. Okay. Um, that is really, you know, that is, in the words of the Supreme Court, disproportionate. Well, it may so well be, but, I mean, how do we, do, do we know how the, the sandwich uh, theft was, was discovered? Was it because she admitted to it in an interview? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Did she put it on a it's CV? You know? <laughs> I haven't read them all. I haven't read them all. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I just think generally, like Jerry, listen, I'm, I'm all about openness. Yeah. I'm all about, you yeah, know, yeah, people yeah, knowing yeah. as much and getting as much information as they possibly can. You can't yeah. make a judgment on somebody unless you know all the facts. And if you are having things withheld from you about a certain individual, you you are making a decision to employ that person based on what I would regard as incomplete information. Yeah, I, I, that's a very fair point. The thing is, at what age does all this stuff stop? Mm. Say I'm going. Say I'm. Well, I'm 66 in a couple of days. No, I go. I go. <laughs> I go for a, a really, really high-profile job. But when I was. Uh, 15, I had a fight on the playground and someone, I broke someone's tooth. Yeah. Well, should that be taken into account? No, not really. Yeah, but, not it shouldn't really. Be, but it shouldn't be hidden under the carpet either or stuck in a, in a dungeon so nobody ever finds out, should it? Well, yes, actually, because that's what the law says. Now, well, the law says a lot of stupid things. It doesn't make yeah. it right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think we've got to be proportionate on this. Uh, let's see what the government does. And, of course, with the deafness of touch, they're bound to completely mess it up. They are almost certainly going to do that, because that comes to my other question about what sort of Conservative government do we now have? You know, one that doesn't do anything other than raise taxes for small business uh, and now apparently uh, dis, uh, disavow criminals and allow them to, uh, to, to sneak into employment without having to admit what they've done. Oh, no. I think someone who's 15 calling him a criminal when they're 45 and they've kept out of trouble and they live a good life. Well, that depends uh, what they've done, surely. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if it's a serious offence, if it's a robbery, I mean, for well, example, it's going to stick on your record. Yeah. For example, the people that we very rarely speak of um, because people are frightened of doing so, the kids who murdered Jamie Bulger, you know, oh, yeah. I would say for what they did to that child, um, that should be remembered for life. It will be remembered for it life, be. of course. You it know, they've be. been given it new identities. Be. However, I would not assume that just because the, guy, the, the kids who committed those crimes when they were so young are now 45 and are OK, I don't think so. No, I agree with that because it's a very serious crime. Yeah. And that, and that does... Well, I would be very, very concerned uh, if I em employed them. The interesting thing is, that's exactly what has happened, hmm. isn't it? Well, because they've been given identities, they've been given different names, so I imagine their criminal records are completely wiped out. 
Well, that's the problem, and that's where we have a, a, a serious issue here. I mean, look, for example, at all the knife crime going on at the moment. There are people oh, getting God. stabbed to death up and down the country every single yeah. day of the week, practically, right? Yeah. Now, that yeah. means there's an awful lot of young men who have had stabbed somebody with a knife because not everybody's dying. Quite a lot of people are yeah. actually surviving. Now, I would want yeah. to know uh, if a young boy at the age of 15 or 14 or 13 had you used would. a knife in an, in, a, in an attack because you that would. tells me you something would. about that kid. You would. You would. Something as serious as that, of course an employer should be told. Serious dishonesty, like a clever fraud when you're 17 or 18. Mm. Yes, of course the employer should know. So let's see what he, let's see what he comes up with. And we might be surprised. It might just work. Well, I mean, that would be amazing. It would be the first thing that they've done in this government that has actually worked, which would be quite yeah. remarkable. But, I mean, I also... Yeah, go on. I was going to say, I mean, also, I do stick with my, my point about dishonesty, that if you're dishonest as a teenager, you're more than likely to be dishonest as an adult, because not everybody is dishonest. Not everyone has, has stolen something from a shop as a bit of a laugh. Not everyone, you know, has nicked no. something from, uh, from no. Tesco's or from Waitrose or anything like that. You know, it does, you know, not everybody does it. No, of course they don't. Of course they don't. But it's a, it's a matter of degree. It's a matter of what is proportionate, what is disproportionate and somehow the politicians are going to have to try and work it out yeah somehow they absolutely are jerry listen thank you very much indeed as ever uh, for talking to us jerry hayes their former mp and barrister doesn't agree with me uh, that this is an absolutely awful and ridiculous and stupid measure which uh, apparently sajid javid has to take account of because it's been handed down by the supreme court well surely he does as jerry says have some kind of leverage and he has some kind of wiggle room if you like so that he doesn't have to make it possible uh, for people to basically avoid their responsibilities to not admit to their employers what they may have done which was criminal in the past I think it's absolutely nonsensical to not allow uh, employers to know the full facts about the people that they are employing and if you're an employer I'm sure you'll absolutely agree with me 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number this is Talk Radio we'll take your calls next Across the UK online and on DAB The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio Dave in Telford has uh, texted into 87222. He started message with the word talk. He says, I've done my bit for climate change, fired up the V8 petrol old Range Rover and left it ticking over for no reason. Also, the very dirty disco diesel. You're a very naughty man, Dave. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't you realise that the planet is dying? Don't you realise that it's going to become extinct? Don't you realise that all the insects are disappearing? I mean, where do they get all this rubbish from? Uh, Pugley similarly says, uh, and he sent a, a picture to go along with it, could you please pass on my message to the idiots blocking London? I'm burning my stack of tyres until they leave. <laughs> this is the trouble, right? None of us were particularly anti the climate change movement until these idiots showed up and started blockading uh, bridges and stopping people from getting to work. Let's talk to Susan Hall, a uh, Conservative member at the London Assembly, see what she makes of it all. Susan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, isn't it true that, you know, I didn't feel particularly anti, um, you know, the green movement until these idiots showed up? Well, it's irresponsible behaviour, isn't it? I mean, it it is an important issue. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, if you look at it, um, we've had less UK carbon emissions um, now than we had in 1888. Right. People are aware of it, and lots is being done. Since, um, I think it was uh, 1990, they've gone down by 40%. Mm. So it's not as if 
we're going in the wrong direction. Things are improving. Well, Sadiq Khan has just, in, has just introduced the, uh, the ultra-low emission zone, right? Uh, so the idea that they're saying, oh, nobody's listening to us and nobody's doing anything. Now, I'm not much in favour of the, of the low emission zone, but at least Sadiq Khan is doing something. You can't accuse him of not doing anything. Well, no, but don't get me started on him. He should deal with his buses before he <laughs> taxes the poor, and all it is is a tax. I mean, but your point is, is well made, and, and about the only time I've ever agreed with him is when he asked them not to uh, try and cause problems on the tube, which, yes. of course, um, is right. Mm. But, I mean, there's lots of ways that we could be looking at it. I mean, you, you've just mentioned the ULEZ. Yes, that will help, but I do wish that he'd sort out those wretched buses. Yes. Well, I mean, one Um, of the things I said to to, to Julie Hartley-Brewer this morning, and I said it to somebody on Twitter last night because someone asked me, well, what do you think we should do about climate change? And I said, well, how about we pay uh, a green surcharge on our energy bill? How about we pay an excessive amount of tax on the fuel that we use in our cars? And how about we pay an airline tax every time we fly? And then I said, (laughs) oh, yeah, we already do all that, don't we? funny enough, we're doing that. I mean, the thing is, these, these... people out there at the moment, the thing that really gets me is you only have to turn the television on and see how many police are having to be involved. Yes. Um, at the moment, we've got a massive knife crime ec- epidemic, mm. especially in London. Yeah. Um, uh, that's up 52% in the last three years. Uh, Khan is not helping with that at all. There's been close to 300 arrests, I believe, and I think it was a telegraph this morning said that the police are running out of cells. Yeah. I mean, that throws up another problem uh, of its own. If, mm. if this is the situation... And there was well, a we can't actually lock up the real criminals because we're having to lock up these bozos. I find exactly. it extraordinary as well that the police have allowed them to occupy Waterloo Bridge uh, for the last sort of 48 hours without being moved on. Well, exactly. And what happens when emergency vehicles need to go through there? Um, you know, ambulances with people that desperately need to get to hospital. And there's these idiots in the middle of the yeah. road dancing and, and having a party by yeah. the looks of it. Well, that's it. I mean, they've basically moved their tented village into the centre of London. They're in Oxford Circus, they're at Marble Arch, they're down at Waterloo Bridge. I mean, surely to heavens we're not going to see them here for two weeks, are we? Well, I hope not. Give them a field if they want to go and do that. Yeah, sort of stuff well, send them in. I mean, they can all go into Hyde Park, can't they? I mean, surely somebody needs to take some leadership here. Well, I mean, they're in London. Khan's supposed to be in charge of London, but, yeah. you know, that's debatable. I suppose if you've got a, a few selfie opportunities he might appear there and mm. talk to them but who knows yeah well that's but, the trouble that's the tragedy of it all because i yeah. mean the other problem for me as well susan is that they're talking about wanting to have a negotiation with the government about what i mean where is all this nonsense coming from and it's almost like they've, they've all swallowed some kind of kool-aid and they believe that the world is actually becoming extinct it's not uh, well and i've just seen somebody on sky news saying you know we're all going to die and we're all we're going to become extinct etc yeah. the thing is we are all aware of climate change. I hope we're all doing what we can towards it. There's been massive um, campaigns around the use of plastic, which we're all beginning to um, make sure that we use less, etc. Yeah. Lots of things are going on. These, these people, it, it seems to be like an excuse for two weeks of having a party, all except the poor shell building that yeah. got daubed and smashed, right. which is totally unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Uh, do they have no work to go to, would be the question, because... Well, it's interesting clearly, that it's happening during the Easter holidays, isn't it? Well, yes, I mean, so perhaps it's students, perhaps... I, who knows? I don't know who they are. All I know is I don't think they ha- should have the right to stop um, Londoners getting to no. and from work 
Um, I don't think they should be using up this amount of police time, quite frankly. No, and they're doing, it, they're doing it in Edinburgh as well. I'm sure it will spread to other cities. But the other problem we, we seem to have in this country, as I was watching some of the reports yesterday on TV last night, a lot of sort of elderly people, middle-aged people, uh, my sort of age, who are being carried away by the police, literally telling us, one of them said, oh, yeah, the thing is, I'm, I'm worried about my grandchildren. I've got a grandson who's nine. By the time he's 30, he might be fighting a war over water. I mean, it's almost like they're deranged, these people. Well, they are. And what sort of an example are they setting to their grandchildren, yeah. being, you know, happy to be arrested? I'd be mortified yeah. if I was arrested for doing something. I know. That were, you know, like this. It's, it's, it's crazy. Mm, it yeah, really is. Know. It it's really happening. is. Listen, yeah. Susan, as ever, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your help. And we shall uh, just have to hold hands together one day and try and form a human chain uh, to stop these people from coming into London the next time they try. Thanks very much indeed. Susan Hall, there, Conservative member uh, of the London Assembly. Today, apparently, uh, so I'd love to hear from you if you're trying to get around uh, and if you're trying to use the tube, because they're apparently going to try and disrupt people travelling by underground today because that's their big new plan. Happily, it would appear that Wi-Fi has been suspended on all the underground networks so that they won't be able to communicate with each other. But I'm not sure how they would disrupt trains. Maybe they could just sit on them and refuse to let the doors close or something. But, you know, there are lots of people, there are millions of people who use the trains on a, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. These people need to be removed. They have to be taken away from Westminster uh, Bridge. They have to be taken away from Waterloo Bridge. They have to be moved out of Oxford Circus. You know, this is not some kind of hippie Glastonbury we're doing here for two weeks. Absolutely ridiculous state of affairs. 0344 499 Loads more to come. This is Talk Radio. 
you know, we're not badly placed globally. We're also not addicted to air conditioning units in the way that they are in Asia, obviously, right. for, for climate reasons. And America, which is the filthiest, dirtiest, biggest consumer on the planet. Yeah. So I just think we're starting in the wrong place in London town. We've just got this emissions charge, which has come in for anybody uh, driving in central London. That's about to expand to the rest of London before 2021. So it's like enough already. What else do we have? No, I know. Absolutely right. Let's talk about more pressing problems, and that is when you have teenage children, how much exactly are they going to cost you over the course of a few years of madness? One girl, 16 years of age, has been arrested because she planned a party on Snapchat where revellers, as they're called, I'm not sure that's the right word, managed to cause 40 grand's worth of damage uh, attacking the walls of a holiday home with sledgehammers. I mean, I don't know how you get friends like that on Snapchat. No, it's it's obviously a tragedy for the homeowner right. who has probably, uh, in an attempt to, um, you know, just make a, a little bit of money on the side, which is what people increasingly do when they rent their place out, Airbnb, Booking.com, that kind of thing. It's become it's become the new uh, way of holidaying in this country, and it, it's a win-win because we just did it last weekend. You get you get to go to someone else's place. We were down in Kent at the seaside in Whitstable, and um, oh, very nice. You know, do you have any oysters? Well, I did have the oysters and uh, some of the local brewing as well. Nice. Like, I can tell you, was it was outstanding. So you know, it's um, it's a nice thing to do, and I'm very happy that this, you know, what do they call it? It's sort of the sharing economy, don't they? Where the idea is that rather than have to buy stuff or sell stuff, you you barter. And so, we, in principle, what we could have done is rented our place out while we went down to Kent. Yes. And I broke even. You know, I mean, how unheard of is that? For well, there used to be a, a, a sort of bit, way before Airbnb was around. There used to be a kind of an exchange program that you could join or a website that you could yes. do where you yeah. could say right i'll go to your lovely house in malibu for four, four weeks in august and you come to my pokey flat in london and it never really worked terribly well because the americans were always aghast at the plumbing for one thing and also yeah. at the fact that you know everything was so small um and so exactly. that didn't really work terribly well no it, it didn't that's right and obviously these apps like airbnb they've, they've made it an art form by by sort of turning it into a social community so what happens a little bit like uber actually is when you stay you're on your best behavior because not only will you review the property at the end they will review you yes well that's so the other weird well, thing isn't it I've, I've, I've never been too comfortable with that because apparently uber does that as well if you sit in an uber not only do they ask you to to, to, to sort of the to, to value your driver but the, the driver also gives a reading on you well definitely and i i found myself you know making idle conversation just to keep keep them on board really the driver <laughs> to keep them happy agreeing with all their right-wing opinions um but look, the bottom line is this particular story is unfortunate because what you're looking at is a couple of things. It's criminal damage. It's a tragedy for the homeowner who, in all good faith, um, rented their flat out. Breach of contract, obviously, by arranging a party. So, you know, I would say that on paper, that's terrible. I will flip it, though, Mike, and say that we are very down on young people at the moment. And, I mean, only days ago, there was an appalling humiliation of a young renting woman who went on Sky News and was talked down to by one of the presenters who clearly is a bigger landlord. Oh, I saw that, yeah. It was one of the more bizarre pieces of video I've seen on Twitter in the last few days. Well, that's right. If your uh, listeners haven't uh, seen it, check it out. And it, it, in a way, it reflects... I, I wonder whether that was a sort of pivotal moment culturally where you've realised <laughs> that that generation, which is your generation and my generation, Mike, who um, hopefully have been lucky enough to get on the property ladder, um, are, are in a position of privilege. I've given most of my property away to women, it has to be said, Mark. Well, yes, I, I know, but it was obviously what worth it. What are you going to do? 
It was worth it. And you've got many lovely children to show for it. I have. But the thing is, um, young people, okay, they shouldn't smash up apartments. But it is their job to test boundaries, to get in trouble. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is what the human race does. We would never put a man on the moon if there were not people bending the rules and doing the impossible. And we've just got to be careful that we don't just, you know, henpeck our children so much. They can't throw a party. Um, it, it, let's be honest, I don't know about your kids. Mine are uh, 13 and 10. Yeah. And they get chauffeured from door to door. If they, if they uh, meet up with a friend, they are, are, are either I'm driving them there or my, my other half. Right. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time one of my kids took a bus. I mean, that's just a travesty. Well, I mean, I guess they're, they're still quite young for that kind of thing. And I mean, without I harking so. back terribly to the olden days and sounding like an old fogey, I mean, I was going to secondary school at the age of 10 and a half and nearly not quite 11 uh, on the tube. You know, in my, I lived in, in North London. I used to go to school in West London. So in the end, I had there was no other way for me to go. I didn't get a lift from my mother because she was working. and My father didn't drive a car. So they were just like, well, you're going to go on the tube then. And that was that. Well, I know. And the, the funny thing is, with this hysteria about how unsafe children are, I mean, we obviously, we won't make light about it in the, in the context of increasing knife crime, which is a very real, incredible threat. Yeah. And I'm afraid that someone like my 13-year-old lad would be low-hanging fruit for a mugger because he's not in a position to fight back. Yeah. So, it, you know, in that sense, it's not an irrational fear, but something that no one can answer, no police officer can answer, no psychologist can answer, is... Are the streets noticeably significantly more dangerous than they were when we were growing up? Because, you know, certainly the idea of the archetypal Easter holidays, which is what we're going through at the moment. And by the way, you're very lucky to be at work. Well, yes, absolutely. And I mean, you're, I'm, at, I'm at home with them and they're driving me up the wall. Yeah, well, inside. this is the trouble. It's Easter holiday time. and But don't worry, mine are arriving today for a couple of days in London. So so my, my pain has only yet to begin. But the point, uh, well, that's it. But the but other you know point what, is, is it more dangerous now than it was when we, because in the Easter no. holidays, you know, back in the day, you know, it's a cliche, isn't it? But you would leave, you would leave, you'd just be out the house on your bicycle or with a football with your mates uh, first thing in the morning and your mum wouldn't see you till dusk. Right. Absolutely. And that doesn't I, anymore. And the question is, is the world more dangerous now or do we just think it is? And do we know too much because of the Internet? I think you're absolutely right. Also, the thing about you saying, you know, we must allow kids to have their freedom and we must allow them to be responsible and all of that. Yeah. You know, I was never in a position, uh, I can tell you, for my parents to have hired a holiday home for me through Booking.com, which I think is how they did it, uh, to have yeah. a party when I was 16. You know, it just wasn't happening. I didn't have any parties at my house because I lived in a flat. And so I didn't get to invite anybody there, really, until I got to be a lot older. And so, you know, I think we're also giving our kids much more uh, access to things that they otherwise wouldn't have. I mean, my kids go on fabulous holidays with me because I can afford to take them. You know, we used to go camping in Italy and we used to drive all the way across Europe as a kid uh, to get there. You know, it wasn't like five-star luxury, you know, swimming pools and, and, you know, jacuzzis and all of that. Well, you're right. And then, so in some ways, you know, what is this? Is this a, a party for a 16-year-old or is it a stag do? I mean, we're talking here about children or young adults who, as you say, haven't earned a dime yet, um, are hopefully still in education. And uh, the best they should be hoping for is a kickabout uh, on a football field with their mates yeah. or, um, yeah, maybe a sneaky trip to the pub and convince the landlord that you're allowed to have that pint. Yeah. But it's all got so sort of a high stack now. Expectations are very high. And I do think that there's a generation of parents, I'm probably guilty of it, Mike, who just think our kids are such angels and so wonderful that they deserve the world at their feet. And actually, they haven't earned it.
No, and also this whole Airbnb thing I feel quite strange about. I know that people do it all the time and people are quite happy to go. I mean, they've actually, I think they've clamped down on it in Paris, bizarre, bizarrely. Paris is very much in the news this week. Um, yeah. Whereby you're only allowed to, I think, rent out your place for a certain number of days a year because what they don't want uh, is to have the Airbnb uh, sort of market, if you like, affect general renting. Because if you can Airbnb your place out, you're not going to bother renting it to anyone, uh, which which then means there's a uh, there's a shortage of rental properties. But but I can tell you a hair raising story about uh, a, a fellow, a colleague here at Talk Radio, and I don't know whether you know this story, who Airbnb'd mm-hmm. his place out uh, and discovered during the course of the weekend that it was being used by a sort of gang of people for some kind of sex party. And he got back home uh, and found all sorts of ghastly things that he had to clean up. Blimey. I mean, that is, uh, that's a shocker, isn't it? It and, is. And you, you know, the way, if you think about your home, um, it's your habitat, it's where you eat, sleep, work, play. Yeah. In many cases, it's your main financial asset. And that is why I must admit, although I'm a fan of these sites like uh, Airbnb. Have I you ever done it? Have you ever, have you no, ever I've Airbnb? I've been a terrible hypocrite, really, because what I've not had the courage to do is let some someone I've never met before, I've met online um, from God knows what part of the world, who sort of pitches up, not been able to do uh, criminal uh, record checks, right. test their character. Are they a decent person? So no, I've not had the courage to do it because what happens? And, and I'm not, the, you know, inappropriate image at this moment, but come home to a towering inferno or a place that's been, you know, just damaged because of some wild party. So no, mm. I've not had the courage to. And also, there have been stories about people unhappy with the uh, the response from Airbnb when their property has been damaged. Yes. So what are you doing to make sure that your children are not planning these kinds of events on Snapchat? Are you keeping an eye on their sort of social media activity? We take them with us when we go away. They are never allowed here on their own. <laughs> um, and we, I must say that we control and monitor their smartphone use. And people think smartphones are so dangerous. What they don't realise is something like an iPhone or a Samsung has a lot of mechanisms within it that allow you to uh, see where they, uh, what websites they've been looking at and indeed control the screen time. I know the Apple one in particular has got an app called Screen Time. Yeah. And my son's, uh, well, we share the iPad, it's not his, but the family iPad just shuts down at nine o'clock. Well, that's very sensible indeed. And what about the uh, uh, the future, though? Because obviously, as they do get a bit older, it does change. I mean, my 14-year-old, for yeah. example, yeah. has now got to the point where on a Saturday, he quite likes the idea of popping up to the shops with his mates, you know, so we let him do that. But that's a new yeah. thing. Uh, so he's out in the afternoon, sometimes for a couple of hours. And it's remarkably relaxed, you know. I mean, when the first day he did it, yeah. um, uh, his mother rang me to say, he wants to do this, what should I do? I was like, let him do it. Just let him go. You know, and it's a bit of a, for some parents, it's a bit of a sort of a stretch. Well, I know it is, and I think we have to, we owe it to them to uh, give them a bit of freedom and let them make mistakes. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm terrified about them crossing roads even. I mean, I just, you know, my, my 13-year-old, he's a bright kid, but his head's in the clouds most of the time. <laughs> and the idea of him navigating, uh, you know, London on his own, but he's got to at some point, hasn't he? And he'll learn from himself, and he might have a near miss. Oh, God forbid, I might get a terrible call, but that is life. And I think we do our kids a disservice in some ways by protecting them from danger, protecting them from an unfortunate experience. Um, and so, no, I think I'm loosening, I'm definitely loosening the uh, rules a little bit, Mike. I see it as my duty to do that. And we were lucky, weren't we? Because we weren't so monitored and we could get up to no good. Yeah. I do remember raiding my parents' drinks cabinet with a couple of mates. Um, God knows how, I was probably 14 years of age. Yeah. They were away. And uh, I've never had... Dubonnet since uh, <laughs> wretched drink. That's the only time you ever have it, right? 
uh, just a bit, you know, and it was, it was sort of lucky. So, yeah, let them make mistakes, but please not at the expense of your home. And what are you going to say when they ask you tomorrow, Daddy, can I go and join the uh, climate change protesters? Well, I've already had it with, uh, because of the uh, school breakout a few weeks ago, yeah. which my, my son wanted to do until he realised it clashed with film club at the school. So um, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino won that one. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think, what well, you know what I would say, Mike? I would encourage uh, my sons to act, so to do stuff. So recycle. And when they're getting rid of a gadget, yeah. go to an appropriate place mm-hmm. um, to have it. You know, so physical actions. Um, and, and maybe we could... Go down to the seaside and have a look at look at you know the global defense that the sea defenses and work out you know the amazing stuff that's going on in this country to preserve our landscape mm. environment. So I mean, obviously, a little bit of a politician's answer, isn't it? I don't really um, know. It's very very hard to get it right with young people, but they must they must have the freedom to do their own thing because they are human beings like the rest of us. No, indeed, you're absolutely right, Mark. Thanks very much indeed, Mark Dolan. Uh, telling us about his own kids, also how difficult it is now for kids out there. But I'll tell you what, uh, if you're watching this uh, situation unfold uh, and your child is on Snapchat and you're trying to think about where to hold a party for them, be very, very careful because this one is going to cost this particular girl's parents around about 40,000 quid to repair. So not cheap. Uh, They won't be doing that again in a hurry. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Take me to church, I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. Offer me that deathless death of good God, let me give you my life. Take me to church, I worship like a dog at the shrine This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Matthew Wright coming up after 1 o'clock. Dave says, if I were the government, I would announce that funds were being diverted from the budget of climate change projects to pay for policing of these idiots for as long as necessary. And Rob says, do you think if this was two football fans sitting on top of a train or 200 blocking a bridge, they would be treated the same way? Somehow, I do not think so. Uh, and uh, uh, Nelson says, one rule for the climate eco-loons and another uh, for the plebs. This is, of course, uh, a story about a guy from the eco-movement who went on to Adam Bolton's show on Sky and declared that basically all foreign holidays would be banned uh, because in the end we have to only have air travel for absolute emergencies so no food would be flown into the country uh, no drink would be flown into the country and nobody would be able to go anywhere uh, and of course uh, the guy's name is Robin Boardman Patterson rather a posh uh, name uh, he's got an Instagram account which shows him on loads of foreign holidays isn't that amazing let's talk to Colin in Glasgow hi Colin uh, hi Mike uh, hi there how you doing uh, good you know, this is a total waste of time, this protest, right? Well, of course. See, technolo- uh, see technology? You've got a company in America, uh, Uber, uh, sorry for saying that, uh, is going to raise $150 billion and they're going to invest in electric, clean cars yeah. or hygiene cars, driverless cars, and within 10 or 15 years, fossil fuel will be gone because of the amount of... Uh, investment that will actually go into these right. technology for clean air is going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And then we'll be on these uh, on your radio chat show, if you're still there in 15 years, so. uh, complain about unemployment because <laughs> of this clean Well, do you know what? But also, people are very much more green now than they used to be, Colin. I mean, the idea that these bozos are going around saying, oh, nobody's taking any notice, the government's not doing anything. I mean, the government's done nothing but have a green kind of, um, uh, a very green sort of feel to it for the best part of the last 20 years. Mike, I actually picked up uh, 
um, a Totiao uh, uh, director, and they're looking into future technologies, because yeah. I'm a private hire uh, driver. Right. Uh, future technology, because uh, I'm obviously interested in driverless cars. It's going to put me uh, unemployed, and I'm looking to the future, right? Uh, but uh, he, uh, they know that fossil fuel is going, going. In, in 15 years, yeah. it's gone. It's gone. It's, they have to look at new technologies, renew, renewables, and su- and some of the technology that he was explaining to me on this 10-minute taxi ride, private hired ride, is unbelievable. Um, and another point as well, uh, so, sorry, uh, this is another one. See if it wasn't for methane or greenhouse in like 5,000, 6,000 years ago yeah. with the early farmers, we'd be still living in the Ice Age. Yes. Because if it wasn't for them uh, with their uh, farm farming Etc. We'd be still having uh, frozen. Uh, we'd be still living that at minus eighty uh, in the UK. At yeah, time. but also so, the idea that we've had we've had the highest. You know, we're getting the highest temperatures on the Earth now uh, ever since the millennium, uh, as one of our guests said earlier on today. That's rubbish, right? We've only been measuring climate proper, properly since eighteen fifty. We don't really know what it was like before that because you can't really measure it. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a total. I mean, to me, it's total false information. Try to. Uh, uh, for the public to go into one direction. And the direction of technology is going to make this uh, a cleaner planet uh, than, than it's ever before. The other reason as well is that the, uh, people won't travel to work. They'll work from home in the future. If you look at, uh, they'll have video conferencing. In fact, they, they can do it just right now if they want. Instead of investing money in, in these uh, these technology like the, the HS2 or whatever, total waste of money to, to save 15 yeah. minutes. Put it, put it into new technology on video conferencing and give it and give companies a subsidy and actually encouraging workers working from home. Yes. Especially with tech-based co- companies. In fact, Mike, you actually prove it on going to uh, the tent of shame uh, every week now or whatever, is that you can actually do your work from another place. Yeah, work. So you can course. actually easily do it from home. Yeah. You can actually do this, uh, do this radio show from home and save uh, an effect on that. Uh, and you'd probably be a much happier um, environment for you to work. Well, also, not necessarily. I mean, it is nice to get out of the house. That's the point. But Colin, listen, I take you. I take all of your points, and you're quite right. As a private hire driver in Glasgow, to be worried that suddenly what's going to happen when all the cars come in that drive themselves. It's a very good point. They still won't be able to get up Sucky Hall Street, though. That's another story altogether. We're going to talk to Stuart Weir, though, another man from that part of the world, because it turns out that there are now more churches in this country uh, than there are pubs. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether it would be safe to say that Stuart's been in more pubs than churches, but I would say that's probably right. Stuart, a very good afternoon to you. <laughs> At least I know if it's afternoon or evening. Uh, well, listen, no, listen, I've been here a long time. You know, trust me, there's a lot of preparation goes into this show. You know, I get here in the yeah, middle of the I night. Yeah, I know. So, listen, um, I was quite surprised by this. I mean, I know that, yeah. that pub membership has gone down and pubs have been closing all over the place. However, I didn't think churches were quite as popular as they seem to be. Yeah, I, I mean, just as an example, the village that I live in, when we moved here, there were four pubs. Yeah. Uh, one of them affectionately known as Madison Square Gardens. Right. Um, <laughs> and I won't make any one... comments about ranges there. <laughs> and now there's only one. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you do see different uh, churches. They're not exactly the places of worship that you're used to. Yeah. Um, you know, large stone 
buildings. Um, it was designer bars were the in thing a few uh, years ago. It now right. appears to be designer churches right. um, because some of the places of worship appear to have been the end thing. And also they seem to have exotic names, a bit like some of the bars have actually replaced. Right. Well, this is it. I mean, apparently it's, it's the immigration of, of people who worship sort of evangelical and Pentecostal Christianity yep. that, that has caused this, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I happened to walk past one, uh, not on the way to the pub, I have to say, but I happened to walk past one of these uh, places of worship uh, a couple of Sundays ago. And I actually had to look in to see what was going on because it sounded as if it was a party <laughs> that you usually <laughs> would find in a pub. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was, it was, was really engrossing and really entertaining. Um, and, and, you know, and I can see why people who come from different communities, different backgrounds, different cultures would want to have their own place of worship mm. but it's it's a strange one especially maybe in west central scotland where these churches uh, are appearing more uh, more and more and actually replacing some of the pubs the, the the depreciation in the amount of pubs in scotland especially um probably doing uh, several things like smoking bans and and drink drive laws and the likes is uh, quite quite staggering yeah. and and you and I both know certain individuals who've actually moved out of the pub business and the pub trade simply because the demands on on that kind of uh, business are, t are far too great now. Yes, no, absolutely right. And I mean, as far as the kind of community-based churches that you're talking about, I mean, are they fulfilling the role of some pubs as well, perhaps, by doing more stuff that's sociable, you know, things going on in the evenings, maybe during the week? It's not just a place that people go maybe once a week for worship. They might actually use it as a almost a social club. Yeah, they do, and that—that that is exactly what happens in uh, in in my village. At uh, I was down in Dorset last week and saw that in action as well. So there are functions, say on a on a Friday evening, say folk clubs or whatever it is, and you're allowed to actually bring in your own alcohol. Blimey. Which, yeah, I mean, it, we're quite revolutionary here in Scotland. But um, you, you know, it's you can't it's, take it to the football though, still, can you? No, no, and with, <laughs> and with, not without good reason either. No, no, exactly right. <laughs> Unbelievable, but, it, but it's but it's um. But I mean, I think I think I think the church has actually been more accommodating to to people's social lives than actually some of the pubs have been. Yes, bizarrely, and and I think actually fitting into a different society these days is part of the church's role compared to pubs, which is still are still governed by licensing laws, whereas the churches are not, and it's pretty much a free for all. And uh, I have to say, having attended one or two of these functions, they're not they're not too bad either. A hook, as we would call it, Stuart. Thank you very much indeed, Stuart. We're uh, up in the north uh, of this country in Scotland, to be precise, where uh, apparently the pub is uh, on the wane and the church uh, is on the way up who knew across the uk online and on dab the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio so if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 monday to friday on talk radio via dab online or via the talk radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover we'd love to hear from you call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at talk radio during the show to have your say the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.